Hello and welcome to the Mindset and Self Mastery Show. I'm your host, Nick McGowan, and on this show, my guests and I unpack the stories that shape us and the lives we lead on our path to self mastery. Today on the show, we have Tyler Newton. Tyler is a nutrition and personal fitness coach who started his journey with a loving pat on the belly and a natural heart to help others. So from getting into the world of personal training and only being self-taught to thriving during the pandemic and helping others stay healthy at the same time, Tyler's got a great story and shares a lot of great advice on this episode. So let's not wait any longer. Let the games begin. Tyler, welcome to the show. Man, how are you doing? I'm so glad you're here. Doing good, man. Can't complain. Good. I hear too damn much of that. So thank you for not complaining. Um, <laughs> Don't we all? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Tyler, tell us who you are. One thing that you do for a living and maybe one thing that people don't know about you. Uh, yeah. So name's Tyler Newton. I am a online nutrition coach and personal trainer. And um, one thing that people don't know about me. Well, this used to be something that people didn't know about me, but I've, I've been more open about sharing it. But I am a huge musical fan, so I, I actually love musicals. So as a guy that loves to deadlift a lot of weight and be in a gym, uh, seeing somebody like me that likes musicals is probably the last thing you would assume. But uh, if you put The Greatest Showman on, I, I'm probably going to sit there for the next hour and 30 minutes and sing along the whole entire time. Nice. So how did you get into musicals? Oh, man. Uh, well, I guess you might have to go back to just growing up. My mom used to always make us watch The Sound of Music, which also I've seen like quite a number of times. And uh, yeah, I think it just started then whenever I was I was really young and having to watch the um, that movie over and over. So, yeah, The Sound of Music, I think, started it. Is there any major musical that you constantly go back to? Yeah, The Greatest Showman. <laughs> okay. That one and uh, La La Land. I mean, I like La La Land too. So both of those are, are pretty frequent now because they're a little bit more up to date. But I need to go back to New York and actually take my wife to like a Broadway musical and see another one. Hamilton is actually another one. God, I almost left out Hamilton. Hamilton was a great one. I don't know if you saw that or not when it came out on Disney Plus. But um, I think I watched that one about four times when it first came out. So. Damn. So yeah, nice. I I like musicals. I'm a musician, so I like music. Um, yeah. I don't think I've really gotten into. Well, you've rattled off a couple of them that I haven't even seen yet. When I think <laughs> of musicals, I think of like Chicago and Moulin Rouge. Yeah, I think I like more the movie based musicals than the actual like classic ones, unless I'm in person. So if I'm in person, that works. When you go to New York, you know, obviously on Broadway, but I like the new school kind of on on dvd or i guess streaming now god i'm starting to show my age i'm like what do we do now um <laughs> 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 i used to have to rewind the sound of music now i can just upload via netflix or whatever streaming service we have uh whatever i want to watch so yeah <laughs> that's funny you'd mention about new york and going to see a show <laughs> i've got a buddy and he's probably gonna listen to this podcast but I think about years ago, he and his wife were dating before they got married and he took her to a show and they left at the first intermission because he thought it was over. And she he found out know. maybe like a week or two later. No, they had no idea. 
And he was like, son of a bitch. Like we, we left halfway through it. So, uh, dude, I'm still talking about that story. You know who you are. <laughs> and I'm sure your wife brings it up. You know why. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. man. I, I can see how that could happen, though. I mean, when I was a kid, my mom took us to New York the first time. We went and saw 42nd Street, and Matthew Broderick was actually the director of 42nd Street at that time. And he actually sat right behind us, so I even got to meet him. Um, but as a kid, I didn't know there was intermissions. So had I not been there and, and my mom probably explained it to me i bet as an older person i probably wouldn't have known either yeah yeah you're like oh cool everybody's going to the bathroom and get out of here i guess uh we're gonna leave then and everybody <laughs> walks back in i wonder what they're doing <laughs> Whatever. there's no post credits are there <laughs> yeah. is there a scene after no this ain't marvel <laughs> speaking of that I, when i went and saw spider-man i made my wife and then my sister-in-law and her boyfriend stay afterwards and i was like no no, no we gotta see the posting credits she's like what are you talking about i'm like there's two trailers she's like are you sure i'm like yes we're staying and so like the first one came up and then it went back to like another trailer and they're like, are you sure there's two of them? I'm like, look it up on the internet. It'll tell you. I guarantee it. There's a second one. So the whole entire theater cleared out. Nobody stayed except for us. And I was like, y'all can leave, but I'm staying until I see both credits. I was like, I always do that. Come on. I don't understand why people don't get this at this point. This is how this works. It's been 10 years. Yeah, but there are certain movies that um, like Ghostbusters. Everybody, yeah. when I went and saw Ghostbusters, everybody left. They're all gone. And I'm sitting there and they're looking at me as they're walking out. Like, what the hell is this guy doing? I'm like, you guys have no idea. And then pops up the end credits. I don't know. Maybe we should just hang out the entire time until like uh, <laughs> the custodians come in. They're like, hey, man, I need to clean the shit off the floor. You need to get out of here. <laughs> okay. Like, uh, all right, man, can I get some more popcorn? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, here's the shit on the floor, like I just told you. <laughs> so let's take a little bit of a step back here. So we know that you're into musicals. Yep. And that you're also a personal trainer. So how did you get into that? Give us some context to how you got here and how you uh, became who you are today. Yeah. Um, short version or long version? <laughs> Um, well, podcast is about an hour long, so uh, keep it within that. <laughs> all right, got it. Um, you know, I, I was a three-sport athlete growing up my whole entire life. My dad um, was super athletic, and him just kind of teaching us at a young age how to be athletes. I just knew growing up I was going to be doing something fitness-related or sports-related. Um, obviously, being under six foot tall, I couldn't make it into any of the professional leagues. So, you know, my fallback plan, I guess, eventually became being a nutrition coach and personal trainer. Even then, I didn't even know that I was going to be doing the job that I'm doing now because I went to school, uh, kind of quit playing sports other than just working out in the gym and playing rec ball, the typical college kind of rec sports, flag football, um, got my degree in business management and just kind of thought I'd go run some company, figure it out along the way. Didn't really know exactly what, but just in my head, I was like, all right, get a business degree. You can go get a job after college. Um, kind of the typical, I don't know what I want to do. So you get a business degree. Um, and so uh, after that, um, moved down here to Charleston, where I still live today, became a caddy for five years, full time out at the ocean course on Kiowa, and loved that job. And one of the reasons I think I really loved it was the whole coaching experience along the way as a caddy, even though you're technically carrying clubs, it's the helping the golfers get around reading putts, telling them what club they should hit, 
Um, I always try to go like over and beyond because by the third hole, I'd be like, okay, I know what club you need to hit for each uh, shot. And, you know, people really find that kind of cool when you can club them after three or four holes. And uh, I just like that coaching aspect of it. So kind of left that though, because there's no up. It's just you're a caddy. Uh, when you get to 26 and you need like a 401k and benefits and the whole nine yards, you, you have to kind of decide, do I like cash or do I want benefits and a, and a real job? So I uh, went and did a few things in between becoming a nutrition coach. And one day it was just working out at the gym and the fitness director said, hey, like we're hiring personal trainers. You're always in here trying to help others as well. And uh, you seem like, you know, a good bit. What do you think about becoming a, a personal trainer? And I just kind of looked at it. I was like, uh, I'm not certified. I, I don't really know what I'd be doing per se, but I know a good bit. She was like, well, we can help you get certified, take the test and, you know, go from there. I said, okay, cool. Let me talk to my wife. <laughs> so I had to have the conversation with my wife that I was going to leave a really stable job for more of a uh, commission-based job uh, with training and uh, pretty much made that decision, jumped into personal training full-time. And then um, about seven months in, I decided to go out on my own because I didn't like how much I was getting paid from the big box gym. And mm-hmm. looked at my wife once again and said, uh, if I'm going to be broke, at least I'd rather be broke on my own terms and not somebody else's. So mm-hmm. I took that plunge of entrepreneurship, I guess, these days or being a business owner. And four years I spent in-person training until COVID hit. And when COVID hit, you kind of had to figure out a switch as far as how to make money because we couldn't go into gyms for a while. And once we figured out like, hey, seems like everybody's kind of turning into online coaches now. I kind of started diving into what it would be like to be more so on social media, put myself out there a little bit more and find clients uh, via Facebook, Instagram, other online avenues. And it just kind of took off. And it's been going pretty well now for the last two years. I can honestly say the first year had its up and downs. But you know, going into like year two of being full time online, things are really starting to, to take a foothold in our business and, and growth is one of those things that is scary, but fun at the same time. And now, you know, we're looking at running a six figure run rate for our online nutrition coaching business and finally hired two employees. And, and that was scary, but fun at the same time as well. Um, mm-hmm. As you know, anytime you grow a business, adding employees and doing the whole grown up thing within the company uh is fun and then also you're like what the hell am i doing um i have no clue how to do payroll and taxes and you you just kind of learn as you go so we're really excited to be where we are and and really grateful for the community that we've built because we have a lot of great people that have bought in and um are getting the help that they really need around fitness and nutrition and to me having a community like we do right now is just it's huge in our growth process yeah, you've built quite the community. And I love the fact that you've gone through a couple crazy times because there are certain people that go through stuff where they hit a wall and then they go, fuck it, I'm out. Like, I'm just not going to do this. I'm not going to deal with it. Or they hear no a couple times where they have to get to that point where they have to have that conversation with their wife. Maybe the wife goes, nah, we, we can't do this. And then they just put their dreams aside. So let's actually take that step back and go, you're leaving your job and telling your new wife at that point, I'm going to go we do married this yet, thing. Actually, we, were, oh. we weren't even married yet at that point. Girlfriend. So she was my girlfriend. Oh, okay. Well, then at that point, I guess she doesn't have as much say as a wife when you're like, hey, we're married and here's how this thing works. But you then made that call um, when you guys were married to then be able to shift. 
And how did you balance that knowing like, hey, I've got to figure this stuff out and I don't know what exactly is going to happen. So how did you balance your mindset within taking those risks? I, I think I've just always had the mentality of betting on myself. For me, at least having a sports background and I was always the personality that just if the game was on the line, like I wanted to be the person either with a ball in my hand or a chance to win, um, you know, playing football, soccer and a wrestler. When you're a wrestler, you're you're it's only up to you. Like you don't have a teammate to come in and tag you out and like help you. It's not WWE as you <laughs> mano a mano with another guy. So either he gets the best of you or you get the best of him. And so I, I think for me, the sports background really helped with wanting to go into business for myself and betting on myself. I also think having a family of business owners also helped me because my grandfather ran a very successful business. My dad owned his own business with his brother. My other uncle owned his own business and I had two aunts that owned theirs. So I think maybe it might also just be a family thing of we all like to work for ourselves. So I, I knew that I wanted to eventually do two things. One, run my own company and two, find a place in this world where I could create value for people every day and, and help people for a higher cause outside of just a paycheck. And the jobs that I had before in between, you know, a lot of them were, were sales jobs. So I was really used to hearing the word no. And when you're in sales doing cold calls, uh, you hear about 99 no's and one yes a day. So I got really immune to hearing no and having to really go back to the drawing board every day and, and find new clients, new customers that way with a, you know, over the phone sales job. And I think all everywhere that I've gone, every step of my journey so far in life, I've just learned different skills. And you learn how to take those different skills that you've learned when you work for somebody else and then see how you want to work for yourself or see how you want to run your business. And I think it just evolves. I don't think you ever actually really know what to do. You just kind of figure it out. But then you also bring other skills that you've had from other jobs into it as well. And it just starts to shape you and, and how you run your business and how you attack things. So yeah. for me, it was just, I'm still learning. I'm still growing. I mean, there's a ton of stuff that I still don't know. So for me, it's important to also have really accomplished people in my corner. I mean, I have a coach myself for my own personal fitness now. Um, I also have a business coach that helps me along the way. So that way I can hopefully not make too many mistakes. Um, like I did early on. <laughs> and so for me, as long as you're always trying to learn and you actually, for me, you have to kind of be messy at first and, and mess up. And I've messed up so much that to me, it's like, at least I'm taking the action. And when I do mess up, I can learn from that and, and learn what I messed up on to fix it. And then that can carry over as well further on down the line. When you fuck up, Right. Like and you learn that lesson of like, oh, man, like I really fucked up this time. A lot of people then just want to kind of give up because they dug yeah. a big hole and they are not sure how they're going to get out of it. When I've really fucked up, I've just been like, OK, now we just got to work even harder to kind of get ourselves back to even and then we'll figure it out. And the biggest thing I always say is I'll figure it out. My wife hates it when I tell her that because she's always like, well, how are you going to do this? I'm like, I don't know. I'm going to figure it out. Well, what do you mean you're going to figure it out? I don't know. I'm going to figure it out. Like, give me some time. I don't have the answers yet, yeah. but I will go find the answers. And I think if you're going to run your own business and work for yourself, you got to have that mindset of I'll figure it out and not give up at the first like speed bump. Because in my business, um, especially when you look at coaches, a lot of personal trainers leave this space within two years, which to me is just not enough time 
to really build your business up. Anybody that's been super successful, I think you're going to see most of your growth at at least year three, year four, year five, like somewhere in there is like when you're really going to start to get traction because there's so many steps along the way. And I know some people can really escalate their business a lot faster than maybe I have. I've seen it. But at the same time, some of us have different parts of their life that are going on. And some of us aren't willing to give up other things. I think I have a really good balance of what I actually want and where I want to go without giving up the things that I still enjoy as a person and not as a business owner. And so I think you got to be realistic with yourself as far as like, what am I willing to give up? And what am I willing to do? And when you can kind of mesh those two together, you'll be a lot happier because I see so many people that make a lot of money right now, and they're miserable. And then I see other people that make less, and then they're actually really happy and they have balance. So I think that's where the conversation starts with most entrepreneurs is, what do you want? And then what kind of balance do you want as well? And of course, there's seasons involved with that, where if you have promotions or kickoffs and and things that are going to keep you busy, you know, you're going to give up some things during those times. But how do you balance that out? To me, understanding balance inside of your business and your personal life will lead you to less burnout. And I think you see most people get burnt out because they're trying to grow too fast instead of understanding they're probably right where they need to be. And that comes with a little bit of understanding too. Like if your goal is to be a millionaire and like you just are really ambitious and you don't have anything holding you back from just working 24 seven, then, then Hey, go for it. But you know, I have a wife and I have friends that I like to still play recreational sports with, and I don't want to give those things up yet. So until then, then I'm good with like the growth that we're at. And I think a lot of people got to have that conversation with themselves. Dude, I totally agree. The balance thing is such a, almost four letter word to certain people because they don't get it. They're just like, I don't know. I, I just feel like I just need to keep going and keep hustling. And for the most part, I think a lot of that's just bullshit because they're just pushing through something that they, they feel like, oh, I don't know what else to do. So I'm just going to keep pushing and pushing and pushing. So back to your not being perfectionist and pushing out an MVP of things, the minimal viable product, just get something out there and be okay with yourself. In this social media world, it's so difficult to not look from side to side and see what other people are doing. So finding your own balance is a big, big problem for a lot of people. Some of that just boils down to experience. Like if I talked to you a couple of years ago, balance would have been way out the window. And I know that based on the short conversations that we've already had. Yeah. And I'm akin to that. I get that. I've burnt myself out massively to the point where I was standing on top of a building like, am I going to fucking jump or not? And when you get to that point, let me take a step back. You should never get to that point. But if you do, please no. don't jump. Talk to somebody. Um, but how did you find balance and how did you get to that point where you're at now? Thinking from the mindset of if you could put yourself back in that place a couple years ago and say, hey, dude, chill out. How do you balance life knowing that you still need to push, you still need to work things, but allowing things to come to you? The biggest thing that I did was I really set boundaries within my schedule. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs, and I, I still can fall into this trap at times, but the more you actually block out your schedule and look at the things that you have in front of you. So I'll use the example. I still play in a men's flag football league. It's one of the things that I find to be very rewarding because I get to see a lot of my guy friends and we all play together. So to me, like that's really important. And I know that I have games on Monday nights, uh, sometimes on Wednesdays. 
So during the season, I block out in my business schedule those times when I know that we are going to have games. And everything else is stacked around that. My wife and I also still play co-ed volleyball together. That is really important to her because two years ago, she was like, hey, like this is important that we have a day for us to spend time together where you're not focused on the business and I have your attention. And so I also know during the season of volleyball, like, hey, Thursday night, I'm going to plan all of my work stuff around that. And so for me, it was going ahead and knowing my non-negotiables, just like I asked my own clients, like, hey, what are some non-negotiables in your life that you're just not willing to give up, right? For them, it might be, I'm not willing to give up Oreos or cheesecake or ice cream. Okay, cool. Like, I can work with that. Tell me. Um, And so like the same thing as a business owner, you have to have your non-negotiables for your own life and your business. And so for me, I think putting those two things in there really helped because now everything else I can reverse engineer. And if I can reverse engineer my non-negotiables, everything else can start to fit around that. And so many people will just see like, I got to push, 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 push. And I mean, I was like that when I first, (laughs) I mean, you want to talk about not having a lot of hair right now and starting to see grays. Well, heck, four years ago when I tried to build my own website, I stayed up for a month straight trying to figure out how to build my own website. It was probably a lot easier than I made it. But at the time, like I didn't know any better. And I'm just trying to like, YouTube things like every day and night and my wife's just over there like, hey, it's gonna be okay. I'm like, no, I gotta get this up. And you get that one track mind of I gotta finish this thing, right? Nowadays I'm like, you know what? It's probably worth a lot of my time to pay somebody else to take care of it. So I can actually go focus on what I'm good at. And I think as you get through this entrepreneur journey, if you are a business owner and you want to work for yourself, you have to figure out what you're actually good at and what you suck at. And if you suck at something, go find somebody that's good at it. And there's a lot of resources now where you can go find labor for things that you don't know that people can build out a website for you now. Does it cost you money up front? Yeah, it does. And if you have the money, it's it's you're lucky. At the time, I didn't have a lot of money to pay somebody to build a website. But now if I go in and I want to reconstruct my website, I have luckily a nest egg where I could pay somebody to go build me out a new website, which I'm actually doing right now. So to me, like, that's cool because I don't have to waste time on that. I can just be a coach. I can focus on my clients. I can focus on how to make their programs better, their life better. Now I'm working on my business and not in my business. And I think that's really important to understand is you have to know what you're good at, what you suck at, find people that can help you and take the least amount of time to get it done. And you can always go back and make revisions. Like everybody has this perfectionist mindset, I think, as like entrepreneurs. And I actually rather move faster without perfection than to move slower and it have to be perfect. Because even when you think it's perfect, you're going to mess something up. You're going to have to go back and fix it eventually. So you might as well go ahead and put it out there. There's been several times where I put things out there and like people like respond back and they're like, oh, this isn't working. That's not working. I'm like, okay, cool. Like you go back in, refine it. But at least I got it out there because the faster you get it out there, the faster you can fix it. And a lot of times you don't really know what the problems are until you launch. So you might as well go ahead and launch, apologize and tell them, hey, I'll make it up for it and let it go. But people want to get so caught up in being perfect that they actually just never get out of the starting gate. And Mm -hmm. you got to get going before you really worry about that stuff. Not me.
Yeah. Um, I mean, I like to move fast, but then sometimes I have to say, like, I'll also move slow because I'm a very visual person. So if I can't visualize something, it's hard for me to move fast. But if I see the visual, then I can work really fast and get it done. So for me, it kind of depends on where I'm at. Um, you know, I was on the phone with my assistant the other day who's helping me redo my website. And I was getting very overwhelmed because I'm like, I just can't see what you're talking about right now. Like, we're saying the same thing, but I can't see it. So I don't know how to give you more direction right now. So then we had to kind of take a step back and be like, okay, like, what are the easy things that we can go ahead and knock out just to get moving? And then we'll come back to the drawing board later on once we have more of a visual for you to see. And I was like, okay, perfect. Like, let's go knock that out. And so last night, you know, I knocked out the three things that we talked about that'd be like super easy because I wasn't even moving because I'm like, I don't know, I don't have clarity, right? I think clarity is more of the kicker there than anything else. When you have clarity, you can move a lot faster. When you lack clarity, you get stuck in your own, you get stuck basically. And so having clarity, I think, excels you to move forward faster. And without that, you're going to kind of sit there and spin your wheels. So for me, I'm, I'm not somebody that's just going to like hurry up and like throw something out there. I want to one, be passionate about what I'm about to put out there. Two, I want to make sure I know exactly how I want it to reach my clients. And then three, if I mess it up, I'll fix it. <laughs> it's fine. So I'm not the most organized person. That's why I have somebody that helps me stay organized. Because once again, I know where I'm weak and where I'm strong. And organization was never my strong suit. It just comes back to, you know, having clarity and knowing what I'm strong at and focusing on what I do best, which is coach people um, and help them lose weight and feel their best. And as long as I can focus on that and then the other task I have people helping me with, I'm going to be okay. I think something for our uh, listeners is the awareness that you have. The fact that you understand what your parameters are. Like, I know where my bumpers are in a sense. I think of bowling. If you're shitty at bowling, put up the bumpers so you can still play the game with the rest of us. You know, as long as you know where your bumpers are and you're like, hey, I'm good at these things, but I'm really not good at these other things. That was not something you were born with because nobody really (laughs) is. So are there any points in life or any moments in time that stand out to you where you're like, right there is where I learned how to do this? You know, I, I think a lot of what I've learned is just from paying for mentors. Um, and and learning from them, to be honest, I'm, I'm somebody that loves to be coached because I love to coach people. So for me, I, I love learning from people that I view as where I want to go. And so for me, the best way to learn where I need to go and how to do it is to pay people that are actually doing it and learning from there. And so for me, I think it's a, a chain event of as you level up, you're going to keep getting higher and higher with somebody else that's above you or above them. So for me right now, like I have a business coach and I've learned so much from him and he's really taught me a lot about business and just life in general. And so having conversations with him to where he also points out my strong suits, he points out my weaknesses and how to do that. That's where I think I became the most self-aware And that's how when you were talking about bumpers, I think it was from having somebody that could take that 30,000 foot view of me and relay that back to me of like, hey, like this just isn't something you're strong at. So like, why don't we look at this option? I'm like, okay, cool. We get in our own ways because we don't know what we're not good at because we don't we're not asking for help. And I think that's where a lot of entrepreneurs actually mess up is. 
in my 20s, I think I was in probably even in my teens, I was a very big know it all more than likely. I don't want to admit that, but I think I have to admit that because <laughs> we all probably were like that. And so I think as I got older and just wiser from, you know, being an adult, I just started learning like, hey, you don't know what it's like to do these things. So you need to go learn. And once I kind of got out of my own way of saying, no, I can do this on my own and started paying for it and seeing like my coach's success and him then teaching me what to do next. I think that was just the big breakthrough that I needed and understood now, okay, like there's certain levels to this that you don't even have any clue how to do. So now that you have somebody in your corner that can teach you this, you're going to be able to move a lot faster. And so I just always want people to realize you might pay a lot of money for a coach or a mentor. And don't get me wrong, there's some good ones and some bad ones. So, you know, you want to vet that very carefully. But when you find a good one, you're going to make your money back as an entrepreneur. And so it's scary to pay a lot of money up front to not know what the actual return is. But I also think that comes back on you. If you do the work, because these people have obviously done this, if you do what they tell you to do, you're probably going to make your money back and then it's okay. It's worth it. But if you don't do what they're teaching you, just like in anything, you know, you can go back to grade school. If you don't do the work, you're not going to learn. So you have to do the work yourself and they're there to guide you like any coach, just like I do with my clients. If I teach you something and I tell you what to do, I can't then force you to go eat healthier. You have to stop going to McDonald's and Burger King and Wendy's and Bojangles. Like, I can't force you to do that. But if you take what I'm telling you and you apply it, then you can be successful. And, and that just goes with any level. There's always the education. And I think where most people mess up in any type of coaching is the application of the education. Because we have the internet. You can probably learn a lot of the stuff that my own coach is teaching me off the internet. But the way he applies it and the way that he does it resonates with me, right? So him being able to apply what he's learned into what should be done down to me is a really key step in me being able to succeed. That then translates to me being very successful in knowing nutrition and exercise. And now I need to learn how to apply what I know to each client as an individual. So people all the time are like, well, how do you know so much? Or, you know, why do I do this? Because a lot of coaches in my space will just tell you, hey, here's your macros. Here's what I want you to eat. Go do it. Well, we all know <laughs> when it comes to dieting and exercise that no, not everybody's the same. You have to be able to relay your message in different ways, depending upon the person. So you have to know people and you have to know how to take the education and help them apply it in their day to day life. And if you can do that, you can be very, very successful as a coach in my business. But there's a lot of smart coaches out there who I'll never be able to speak above because they're so book smart, but yet they are so broke because they don't know how to take what's in the book and apply it to the individual. And so I think that's really key for a lot of people is understanding the application of things. Yeah, and especially seeking help, uh, be it a coach, be it a therapist, psychiatrist, uh, counselor, a friend, anybody to be able to talk to about that stuff. There are levels to all of this, the awareness, then the seeking and the accountability. And these are all things that 
literally most people don't do because they get to the point where they think, oh man, there's a lot of shit to do. Um, I'm just going to go eat a sandwich and go watch some Netflix. <laughs> oh, Ozark. You know what I mean? And just be able to go into that and push the thing away. So I think one of the big takeaways here is to be able to push through that and understand like, hey, you got to have grace with yourself. You got to love yourself. You got to be real with yourself and know like I am great at talking to people, but I am terrible at organizing things or I am great at organizing things, but petrified of having a conversation with people. If that's a thing, then get people around you that can help. And you've gone that step of finding coaches and hiring coaches. There are people that listen to this podcast that I can almost guarantee are sitting on their couch or maybe they're sitting in their office, wherever they're at, listening to this and they have an idea. They have something they want to do. Do you have any advice for them to take that next step? Well, I mean, for me, if, if you have a great idea, and here's the other thing. If you tell somebody you have an idea and they don't support it, it probably just means that they don't see the idea. Like they can't visualize it. And you can't let that get you down, right? For the longest time, my brother called what I did a hobby for crying out loud Ooh. until I showed him how much I made. And then I was like, hey, <laughs> my hobby's going pretty well, by the way. Right. And so nowadays, like when we have this conversation and now he just bought a business himself. And so I'm like, hey, welcome to entrepreneurship and being a business owner, man. Uh, <laughs> you're going to quickly learn like what all there is to do. Yeah. And so for me, it's when you have an idea, you have to just take action first and foremost. Right. You're going to rely on motivation at first, but the action steps that you take and the boring work, and I say this a lot, what I do and what I coach is actually really boring because you have to keep doing it over and over again. You have to be consistent with it, right? So when you have motivation, that's great, but you can't rely on motivation because that's a fleeting feeling. When you start to actually take action and you just do the day-to-day -day mundane shit over and over and over again, guess what happens? It becomes a lot easier. And then you start to build upon that. And then you can start to knock off different tasks that you want along the way. I think most people have this big idea and they don't understand all the little things that they're going to have to do day to day to keep it up. And so you have to go take the small action steps that you can knock out, do right away to get the ball rolling. And so many people just sit on an idea that could actually be the next great idea but because they're so afraid of not being motivated or not knowing what to do, that they just never do anything at all. And you rather actually go out there and kind of mess up and learn because, you know, I actually don't like social media. I'm on social media a lot and I have to be because that's the only way you grow in a digital age now. But for the longest time, I did not want to put myself out on social media. I did not want to do that. I still sometimes will sit here for like an hour be like, God dang it. Like, I really do not want to post this right now. This is like, it's so stupid half the time. But yet we, we are now on TikTok, like doing 20 things for 10 seconds. And like, we're boosted in an algorithm that now takes you to the next level or something like that. And I'm like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my life. Like, but you're telling me this is how I have to get clients like that sucks. I rather come talk long form and let people get to know me. And I want to bring people in that way. So it's figuring out what you're good at and what you want to do and taking those steps and doing it over and over again. And if something is uncomfortable, you probably hear this all the time, but really, truly, it's so true. You have to learn to become uncomfortable, but be comfortable being uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And the more you can get past being uncomfortable all the time, 
the quicker you're going to actually grow because when you step into being uncomfortable that's probably where you're going to learn the most and that's where you're actually going to then start to see the most growth in whatever venture you're in or whatever venture you're doing so for me social media was very uncomfortable at first me going live and doing a facebook live for five or ten minutes used to be the scariest thing ever if you go back two years ago whenever i first started going live on my facebook to try to like tell people i'm an online coach now i would sit in my truck because i didn't have a cool desk with like blue lights and all this stuff my truck was my safe space like i felt comfortable going live in my truck and that was like the only way I could go live. Otherwise, I would never do it because I didn't want my wife to be around. I didn't want other people to be around. Like, I didn't want to be that person that you see on like influencers in the wild. Like, didn't want to be that guy. Right. So I would sit in my truck like a little kid and just like go live inside of my truck. And it became a joke amongst me and my friends that like, oh, hey, like, is your truck your office? And I'm like, yeah, as a matter of fact, it kind of is now because I <laughs> that's where I do so much stuff. And so I was really uncomfortable doing that, but I made this challenge with myself that I was going to do it for 30 days straight. And so I went for 30 days straight. I went live for four or five minutes and just asked people, hey, what do you want me to talk about? Or like, what can I talk about today? And just try to provide some information for people. And after that 30 days, I started to learn, wow, like I actually have a lot of people that are kind of like hitting me up and starting to kind of dig what I'm doing and what I'm saying. And people are seeing value now. And so for me, it was the scariest thing and I was super uncomfortable doing it, but then you kind of get that first win and then you're like, oh shoot, like I actually touched somebody and like, they're going to go do something now with the information I provided. That's really fucking cool. And so in that sense, you start to kind of build that momentum up in yourself where you start to believe in yourself. And I think most people just need to find the belief in themselves first. And that's really hard because when you first start working on something, you don't really know how it's going to turn out. Like you're kind of guessing and you're really excited, but then you kind of get nervous and you clam up a little bit and that's okay. But if you lean into that and then you keep pushing through and you push yourself outside of that comfort zone, then you're going to be okay. And I think a lot of us are like afraid to get called out too when we mess up. And I, I think that's what keeps a lot of us from really reaching our potential. And so sometimes you just have to accept Hey, if you mess up, you mess up and go apologize if you have to. Like own own your shit, so to speak. It's okay. Like I've had somebody call me out before. Hell, if you go read my post, my wife calls me out all the time on poor grammar. And I'm like, I'm just trying to get it over with. Like I, I read it once and if I miss it, I miss it. Like, I'm sorry. It's just gonna be what it is. But I don't have all day to sit here and try to like proofread. I have like 10 other things going on in my brain. I gotta get it out there. And and so it happens. But just keep leaning into it and people will find out who you are and they'll like you for you and just be who you are. Don't try to be the person you see on the other side of the screen and act like them, because if that's not you, then it's going to show up in whatever you do. So you have to just be who you are and be authentic to yourself. And when you're authentic to yourself, people will resonate with that authenticity. And I think nowadays, more than ever, you have to be showing who you really are. Um, because we've already been through the age where everybody is a pretender and now you're going to get called out for it. So own up to who you are, be comfortable with who you are. And I'm sure you're going to create an army behind you of people that think like you. Yeah. You've got people that, um, uh, really try to make a face. Like I think, um, I think of the salespeople that pick up phones and they become somebody else. 
instead of being like, hey, thanks for calling, blah, blah, blah. Like, I'm Nick, how are you? You know, just being you. They're like, hello, and thank you for calling, blah, blah, blah. It's like, who the fuck is that guy? Where did he come from? This isn't real. What is your problem? And they try to put on this face. And I think some people feel like they have to because they're unsure. They're not clear. Therefore, they don't have confidence. They don't know what they want that to be. Where if we think about it this way, Tyler, if you weren't being authentic, think about the shit people that you would pull in that are not the people that you want. So the more authentic you can be, the more attractive you'll be to the people that are like, hey, that person's kind of similar to me. And we all want to work with people that we're similar to, no matter what business you're in. If you're in your own business, near nine to five, whatever that is, there are certain companies that can't pick the clients that they want to have. There are certain companies and people that go, hey, this isn't a good fit. Wouldn't you rather be in that spot where you go, hey, I don't think this is the right fit? Or to say to somebody, hey, this is an absolute perfect fit. Yeah, I mean, it takes me back to when I used to do cold calling for a logistics company. So if you don't know what logistics is, uh, I worked for a freight brokering company. And I was the middle guy between the truck drivers and the shippers or receivers. And what would basically happen is I'm trying to make money off the difference between the shipper and the receiver and the truck driver. So if they want $1,200 to go from Florida to North Carolina, I'm trying to pay them $900 so I make $300 profit. And I remember I had a manager and I had a truck driver basically fall off the face of the earth. And my, my boss or company that um, I was shipping it to, um, who was, I guess, my client, was asking me, like, where's the truck? Where's the truck? And, like, my boss at, inside the company was telling me, like, tell him you know where it is. Tell him it's here. Da, 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 da. And, like, I'm a terrible liar. Like, you can ask my mom and my wife. I am terrible at lying. You can read right through me whenever I'm telling a lie. And I'm sitting here having to try to lie to this guy. And I'm one of those people, like, once you start, like, once I get going down a rabbit hole, it's pretty easy to pick me apart on a lie. Like, I'm terrible at games where you have to lie. (laughs) And so I knew from going there that, like, okay, this is not for me because I cannot authentically be me. And in the sales conversations that you had to have with a lot of these people, I just felt very inauthentic to myself. And I hated that feeling. And so I only lasted a year. And the bad part is, though, I was actually pretty decent at being who I was and getting clients, which is the sad part. But I left because of that feeling of having to feel inauthentic at the same time when things went wrong. Like you weren't allowed to just tell them, like, hey, you know what? Like this truck driver, honestly, he he went rogue on me. Like you, you weren't allowed to tell somebody that. And their whole reasoning was like, no, like you, you want to make them trust you. I'm like, you make them trust you by telling them the truth and just being upfront. Like, hey, like for some reason, this guy got pissed off. I don't know whether it was his boss or what, or he's having trouble with his wife. Like, I can't tell you, but like, he's not picking up. And I just want you to know that they didn't want you to say that. Mm-hmm. And for me, I'm like, why not just be honest? Because now I have to keep thinking of the lie and how to like back that lie. I can't do that. I'm terrible at this. And so that feeling of like not being authentic to who I was ultimately led me to leave because I couldn't work for a company like that where I felt like I had to lie about who I was. And so I just think it's really important to to be who you are. Be honest, you know? In my profession like I'm not going to know everything. I'm sorry, like I cannot know all that there is in the human body because there are certain things that are not my niche. But what I can say is, hey, I don't know, but I have a plethora of people that I work alongside in this space 
who I think I can reach out to and get an answer for you. And most of the time, your clients are going to be okay with that if you don't know, because you can't know everything. And so I feel much better now being able to tell clients, hey, I, I just don't know the answer to that. That's not really my scope. But let me go figure it out for you. Can you give me a couple of days? Yeah, that's fine. Cool. Now, next thing I do, I go reach out to my network and I say, hey, guys, like anybody ever worked with somebody like this? Yes, I have. Cool. Let me hit you up real quick. I got a couple of questions. Go back to the client. Like that to me is better than trying to tell that client, oh, no, no, no. I know exactly how to fix this whenever I don't have a freaking clue. <laughs> yeah. Then you're just lying. Yeah. And when I first started out, I was so scared to say I didn't know because I thought people would think I was like a fraud. So you get scared to say, I don't know. And then I finally kind of got to a point. I was like, why am I trying to tell them I, I know or make something up whenever I'm actually then not doing right by the client? All I'm doing is probably further hurting them. So then, you know, you kind of come to that realization of like, all right, you just got to step up and just say, you don't know, go figure out the answer and let them know you're going to figure it out for them. And to this day, like if I don't have an answer, I, I tell them that I'm like, hey, I don't have an answer right now. Well, let me go figure this out. Let me go get some help. And then I'll come back to you with what I got. And, and you build trust. Well, it goes back to your being comfortable of being uncomfortable, because then at that point, yeah. you're a resource for people. You're not just bullshitting them. Like, hey, I don't know this, but you know what? I'm going to go do the legwork. I'm going to go figure this thing out for you. And that definitely helps people feel like they can trust you more. So let's take a little bit of a step back to you sitting in your truck. So <laughs> you were like, all right, I need to do this thing. And I'm going to set up my bumpers. I'm going to do this for 30 days. And then you told some people. You told your wife, you told a couple friends, and there's accountability there. And then you were like, all right, I am uncomfortable as shit. So how do I do this sort of comfortably? Because you don't want to completely, you know, traumatize yourself as you're trying to get into something. So you made the call of, all right, this is my comfort zone. I'm going to get in here. I'm going to be comfortable yet uncomfortable. And then by the end of that, was it really as scary as you thought it was going to be? Or were you like, shit, I'm doing it. It's, it really comes down to, I think, imposter syndrome, to be honest. Yeah. Because here's the thing. I see Lane Norton. I see um, the guy from uh, Jim, Jim Army. Uh, I can't say his last name. Like, you, you see all these people out there that are, like, really smart in your space. And in your mind, I go, shoot, uh, I don't think I know all the stuff that they know. But in reality, what they're doing is they're speaking their level of knowledge, right? And that's what they are really good at. I need to just speak to what I know and what I'm really good at. And if I just speak to my level, then I'm going to be okay. Like, I don't need to try to impress other coaches because other coaches aren't paying me. <laughs> A general population of people is paying me. Women and men that want to get stronger and lose weight who don't know jack shit about fitness and health are paying my bills. Not the coach over here that has a million followers who I think is going to one day see me and then like call me out. And then all of a sudden, like I'm going to lose my whole business. They don't know who I am yeah. at all. But yet in my mind, I'm saying, shoot, I'm competing against them whenever I'm a baby minnow trying to swim out in the ocean. Once you realize that and you understand that, Hey, like you're not on the big boy level yet. Just speak to who you know you can speak to and help. Once you get really clear on that, you can get rid of some of the imposter syndrome of wanting to compete with the people that you idolize. Yeah. And I think that's the biggest problem is so many of us see our idols and we're trying to speak up to them when really and truly that's not who we need to be speaking to. We need to be speaking to the people that are going to relate to you 
who understand what you're saying and feel that pain. And so when I can just simply speak to the pain of what I can fix with my clients, they're going to resonate with that and then come over there. And then I could start to feel more comfortable with that. Because once you understand you're speaking the same language as the people you're trying to help, that's when you can start to actually build your business and get really comfortable because you see that they need your help and that you can help them. So being in my truck for 30 days and going live and, you know, pushing that comfort zone, it was actually really freeing at the end of it because it started to help me get better at being on camera. It started making me better at doing podcasts. I mean, I remember the first time I ever did a podcast and I was on one that is actually a, a, in my space, a pretty popular one. And it was through a connection with my coach. And I almost want to hit that guy back up and be like, man, I have no clue why you let me on. Like I'd never done a podcast before. I was so nervous and trying to be like, I was trying to sound way too cool and smart as if like I was on that level. And I just needed practice. I just needed practice at doing podcasting and being on a podcast. And he kind of popped my cherry and I go back and I listen to it sometimes. And I'm like, God, the mighty I sucked ass on that podcast. That was terrible. Um, but you know, you kind of have to fail again. Like it comes back to it. Like I had to go on that podcast and just be afraid of what I was going to sound like in order to get over the fear of what I was going to sound like. And once you kind of mess up, you're almost like, well, I can't fuck it up any worse than that. Can I like, <laughs> like that was pretty bad. So it can only go up from here. Right. Yeah. And you know, it's the more, once again, the more you do it, the more comfortable you get with doing a podcast or being on video and talking to large groups of people. I, I run a, a challenge, you know, once a quarter and we had almost a hundred people in our last challenge and I'm on a zoom call in front of close to 70 people out of the 100 that showed up. And I'm like, man, this is pretty cool. Like I got 70 freaking people here on a Monday night yeah. listening to me talk about fitness and nutrition. That's really fucking cool. And so for me, it's like, I had to kind of suck because the first time I ever ran a challenge like that, I think I had six or seven people show up. And, you know, a year later, I have 70 some odd people. Yeah. So it's, it's step by step. Like where you are right now is probably where you're supposed to be. But it doesn't mean that's where you have to stay. You just have to get the reps in. And the more time you spend underneath the bar, so to speak, and the better you get being underneath the weight of the bar using gym terms, the better you get. You know, if I go and try to do a squat for the first time with a barbell on my back, it's probably going to look a little funky. But the more that I do it and the more weight that I add, the stronger I get, the better at it I get. And the more you progress to where you can then maybe, I don't know, squat 300, 400 pounds, like over time. I think with anything, it's just repetition, repetition and getting after it and just knowing that it's not going to be perfect. It's not going to always go the way that you envision it. I mean, I can guarantee you this, like the, in my head, the dream of like being on a podcast and like what I would talk about. You go to bed at night and you're like, oh, yeah, like I'm going to say this and it's going to go this way. And then it doesn't go that way at all. In fact, you're like, Jesus Christ, like, where were you going with that? <laughs> so, so, you know, like, you just got to learn in failure. And, and there's, I, I tell my clients this, too. I'm like, every time you fail, you grow. Every time you yeah. fail, you learn something new. And as long as you don't keep dwelling on the failure and you actually look at what you're going to learn from the failure, you'll get better. It doesn't mean that it's going to happen overnight, but you will learn and you will get better. And it's OK. It's okay to mess up. We all are going to mess up. We're going to mess up way more than we succeed. 
and you're damn sure not going to succeed on the first try. So go fuck up. It's going to be okay. Run with that. You know, allow yourself to just screw it up. And when we really think about the people that are going to say anything bad or just talk shit to you, those are not the growth minded people. Those people aren't going to be shitty towards you. It's the trolls, the people that live under bridges, the troglodytes yeah. of the world. Those are the ones who are going to be like, you, ah, I got things to say. It's like, okay. Yeah. The, the haters aren't the people paying your bills. So why are you yeah. listening to them? Yeah, exactly. Like, haters don't pay your bills. And if anything, they might actually help you get people that then will pay your bills. Because all you're doing is boosting my algorithm by commenting back and forth. And I appreciate that, bro. So you know what? Keep coming at me. Like, keep boosting my algorithm for me so it gets seen to 10 more people and then 10 more people. And then next thing I know, like, hey, I'm, I'm still staying on top. So, yeah, I, it's just funny because we're afraid of what people are going to say. But the people that are going to call you out and the people that are going to hate on you and like try to bring you down. They're either one, they've never been where you're at or two, they're just going to actually help fuel you to get to where you want to go. And every now and again, like, yeah, you can get knocked down a peg, but. As long as you don't stop and you keep going, you're not going to fail. I think that's the number one thing that most people have to learn in a, in a growth mindset and a self-mastery mindset, which is if you fail, you really only fail once you stop. Yeah. And so if you don't stop and you keep getting back up like Rocky did in all of his movies, you're going to eventually win. But you have to keep getting back up. Time you choose to stop is when you actually truly fail. So just don't stop. Yeah, it's just like pivoting. You know, a lot of people will look at the thing that they're doing uh, and they want to just keep doing that thing that they've always done. It's always been sort of comfortable and they expect to get different results, which is literally the definition of insanity. Yet most people will do that stuff. Now, a lot of that probably boils down to fear, you know, where they're just like, oh, I don't know. Or even the thought of having that conversation back and forth with some troll. Some people are probably shitting themselves right now where they're like, I don't want to get into that situation. But that's actually a beautiful situation because you can show up and you can speak elegantly or nicely or you know, you can poise it the right way and then be able to say, hey, this is where my thoughts are specifically so the other people can see it. And that's a huge boost for you. So not yeah. only algorithm-wise, but it's all your perspective at that point. If you look at it and go, oh, my God, these trolls, just leave me alone. Use it. Use the trolls. But for the most part, trolls don't really come out and just let them be. But we all fear that in the back of our minds because we think of the, the crazy thing that can happen instead of the super positive thing that could happen. So if you didn't make that step in your truck, you wouldn't have had those 70 people you wouldn't have had all of those people come to you and think about all the people you've helped that honestly, dude, you wouldn't have, they just wouldn't have come. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I remember being in Arizona, um, in December I was in Arizona and I was at a coaching conference with a bunch of other 250 coaches. And one of the guys came up to me and he's like, Hey man, I remember when you were making those videos in your truck every day. And I just started laughing. I was like, yeah, man, that's my office. And he was like, well, your office looks a little bit different now. And I said, yeah, it does look a little bit different now. I'm, I'm now in the guest bedroom slash my office. Um, as you can see, there's a bed right behind me. Um, my wife hates that I took over this room, but I said, hey, I, I'm working from home now, so I need an office. Can't be working in my truck all day. And uh, <laughs> gas gets expensive. <laughs> so, and, and to me, that was just a really good reminder that like, man, I even had other coaches that were like watching my videos. 
And that's pretty cool because now here I am a year later at a coaching conference with 250 other coaches. And this guy still remembers me being in my truck for 30 days, talking to everybody going live. And it's, it's just rewarding to know that other people paid attention. And actually some of the people that you look up to as a peer to peer, you know, him saying something to me felt even better than a client saying something or remember something because like I said earlier, you know, you're always kind of thinking like your peers, like, what are they going to say? And half the time they're actually cheering for you too. At least in my community, I've never met more people that are more supportive of one another and want to see each other grow than in my community. Now, granted, there's probably some bad apples in there too, but for the most part, the majority of the people that I'm surrounded by that I see really cheer each other on. And if anything, we try to send each other clients who we think you might actually work really well with which is a great thing in our space because we're not just in it for the money. We're here to try to actually generally help you and we want to see you get better and we want you to live your best life. And so I think it's really important when we get into business and trying to help people, if your intention is to honestly help people, you don't have to say yes to everybody that wants to work with you. You actually need to set them up with who you think can help them the best. And I think that's a really great thing right now in our business is I have such a large network of coaching friends that if somebody comes to me with a problem that I'm uncomfortable with, I can say politely no, but hey, this person can really help you. And then I'm still actually helping that person by getting them the proper help that they need from that person. So I'm actually still fulfilling what I truly want to do, which is get people the help that they need from the right people, even if it's not me. But I had a hand in it at least. Yeah, you got to do right by people. And you got to you got to set expectations because if you go, hey, 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 I can help you with all these things. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing with this. <laughs> they're going to figure it out and they're yeah. going to tell people and then that's going to come back and it's going to hurt you. And honestly, I think some people need to go through that. I've been in that spot before with businesses that I've had where I'm like, yeah, I can do it. I turn around. I'm like, fuck, I don't know how we're going to do this, <laughs> but I sold it. And sometimes you got to learn the hard way, but you also got to learn like that level of aggravation you want to go through. Um, so oh, yeah. when you think of the clients that you work with and all the craziness with the pandemic, I know that people are going through stuff right now. So how are you helping your clients, not only managing their nutrition and their fitness, but managing their mind? How are you helping them with that? You know, it's actually funny. I, I joke around with my wife all the time and I tell her I probably should have went to school to be a psychologist or a therapist because um you know for us i really love to get into the inner work with my clients i think a lot of us don't understand that a lot of our struggles with eating correctly and exercise stems from things in our childhood and so i think a lot of people actually need to kind of go back and reassess things that have happened in their life to really understand what got them to where they are today and so for me i like to backtrack and unpack a lot of things for my clients when i talk to them to really get to the why, like, why are you eating this way? Why are you doing this? Why are you self-sabotaging yourself? Because as a coach, the most powerful word that I have is why. And then I keep digging on that by asking, okay, why again? And I just think that as a coach, anybody can go online and get a macro prescription, right? Like being a nutrition coach, everybody's like, so what do you do? And I'm like, well, I actually like help you figure out like what's wrong with you and why you can't lose weight. And then I give you workouts and some other things. And it really doesn't sound that sexy, but I can sex it up if you want to and sound all smart. But let me just tell you this, like 
I'm going to be with you every step of the way. I'm going to know when to pull the right strings on your diet. So you're going to have that guidance. And then from there, like I'm going to help your mindset around why you struggle already. And I think people lose sight of that when they are trying to hire a coach because you're so programmed to everybody doing the work for you. Hey, here's the foods you're going to eat. Here's how much you're going to eat. Here's how you're going to do X, Y, and Z. And people are just given templates and they're like, oh, I can follow this until life happens. Yeah. And for me as a coach, if you don't want to be educated, then I'm probably the wrong coach for you because I never tell a client to do something without them understanding why they need to do that and the cause and effect it has on their body. So to me, if you just want macros, hey, cool, here's an app. You can just plug and play, put your body weight, put your height, your age. It'll tell you what it is. Go from there. If you want somebody to work with you step by step and actually understand you and work on the mindset around why you fear carbs, why you feel like you have to go keto, why you have to do paleo, like whatever diet you want to do. The first thing I always ask my clients, I go, I don't care what diet structure you want to do, because let's be very clear. When we're talking about different diets, we're talking about the structure within a diet. A diet is what you eat on a regular basis. So it can look like keto. It can look like paleo. It can be whole 30. It can be carnivore now, whatever you want. It. If it fits your macros, cool. Whatever you want to do, don't care. As long as it's going to work for you for the next year, two, five, or 10. What is going to work for you for a long period of time? If you're telling me you want to do keto just because you heard Nancy down the street lost 30 pounds while doing keto, no, like that's not the right diet for you. If you generally have something wrong where like carbs really mess with you, Okay, cool. Now we can look at like why to do keto. That's fine. If you tell me you want to sit there and do CrossFit and you're only eating 50 grams of carbs, maybe 100, I'm going to look at you and say, hey, like you need to up your carbs. Well, I always gain weight when I eat carbs. I'm like, no, you just haven't been eating enough and your body's metabolically adapted, right? So then I can go down that rabbit hole of like, once again, why carbs are good for you. Do you have to have carbs? Well, no, we've seen people do the ketogenic diet, but if you're not going to go keto, then you need carbs. So, you know, I need to give you education around why you should be doing whatever diet you're doing and how to fit that in there. And I just think that's really important. And a lot of people miss out on that inside of our business. And when you go into the mindset of digging around why they want to do things inside of their diet and their lifestyle, that's when you actually can coach them the best because what a lot of people don't understand is their mindset is, oh, well, I just need to eat less, exercise more. Well, what happens when somebody's been eating 1,200 calories and you tell them to eat less and exercise more? Well, they're just creating a further adaptation away from their set point, and nobody's going to tell them they actually need to eat more. People are just going to keep telling them, hey, eat less, exercise more, only driving them further and further away from where they actually need to be. Which then, guess what? When we look underneath the hood, they probably have thyroid issues. They have gut issues. There's so many other things that go on that people need to be aware of. And so this is why when you get into the why and the mindset behind why people do things, it actually helps you be able to coach them on the right things to get them the result that they want. The other issue is, and anybody listening to this and struggling with your diet, be patient with yourself. It's just like a business, right? Like if you're on here and you're an entrepreneur, like your business didn't go from zero to a million overnight. Well. You're not going to lose the 40 pounds you packed on over the last six years overnight. So be patient. There's a lot of steps you have to go through to get where you want. 
yes, some people can get there quicker than others, but everybody's different. Everybody's very individualized and unique. So you have to understand what is right for somebody else might not be right for you. And we have to figure that out. There's a couple main things that come back again. It's awareness and accountability and action. Those people need to take action. The fact that your clients are asking you those questions is great, but the fact that they became a client is the first step. The fact that they actually started to look and go, wait, I can't do this anymore. I keep stuffing back a sleeve of Oreos every friggin' night or whatever that looks like and getting into their mind of, well, what is it? Well, you're dealing with stress or you're having problems within your marriage or, you know, whatever these things are, but taking that action. So I know that you've gone through a lot of stuff and that you had some things that happened to you when you were younger that have led you to this spot. What sort of advice would you give to anybody that's kind of sitting on that cusp? They're like, yeah, this is that year. I'm going to do it this year. Like anything. I mean, if if there's something that you keep saying you're going to do this year. Well, if you've been putting it off year after year, then what's going to make this year any different? (laughs) I mean, let's be honest with ourselves. If you've been having the same goal for two, three years, what is going to help you change? And a lot of times you have to kind of reverse engineer and think back to like what it is like you really want to do and how you're going to do it and just take one step at a time. If if you're saying you're going to get in shape and this is going to be the year you actually go to the gym and get in shape, well, you have to at least go show up at the gym. Just drive to the parking lot. I guarantee you this. If you struggle to go to the gym, just drive to the parking lot and walk in. That could be step number one. And you could literally go to the gym, walk in, and go to the treadmill for five minutes, call it a day, and then do the same thing the next day. Do the same thing the third day. Do it the fourth day until you're ready to actually maybe go for 15 minutes. And maybe you go for 15 minutes then. And every day you go walk for 15 minutes at the gym. But you're there. You're doing the step. And so I just always come back to if you're going to do something, Just do it and figure it out along the way. When I first got into fitness for myself, I didn't even know what the fuck macros were. I literally was on my phone trying to figure out what are macros, right? And then I learned what macros were and I was like, oh, this is pretty simple. Like I can make this work. And then, you know, you start digging in a little bit deeper and then you kind of go a little bit deeper. And, you know, the funniest story of really how I kind of became really into fitness again. And then that led me to being a personal trainer was the night my wife tapped me on the stomach and told me I was getting a dad bod at the age of 26. Oh. Like, I was like, what the hell? So guess what action I took the next day? I woke up at fucking 5 a.m. and I went to the gym and I started working out. And then I dove in and I'm luckily the type of person where I go zero to 100 real quick with anything that I get really passionate about. And little did she know seven years later, I was going to be running my own business out of our home and, <laughs> and be on a six-figure run rate. But... It's just funny how like that one little thing like just clicked in my mind because I couldn't see it in myself, but somebody else saw it coming and then gave me the warning of, hey, you know, this isn't who you want to be. And so sometimes you have to actually look for the door that's opening in front of you and actually step through it. People are always like, I'm just waiting for a sign. And I'm like, well, you can see the sign, but if you don't actually walk through the door, then you're never actually going to get the result that you want from that sign. So. It's important for people to know that they aren't alone, but half the time you have to just step out of the comfort of what you know and do something. Say no to things. Like so many people are afraid to say no to other people. 
And a lot of times when you actually need to grow, you actually need to learn the word no more than the word yes. Because you're probably saying yes to the wrong things and no to the things that you need to be saying no to. So think about that next time you want to do something and you're like, oh man, like I really want to go start my own business. And then your boys are like, hey man, we're going to go out for happy hour. And then you're like, uh, which one should I do? Well, you should probably go work on your business plan and not go out for drinks because anybody that's made anything, it starts by getting around people that want the same thing that you want. And saying no to the people that aren't actually making you better is really hard to do. But once you get used to that, you really start to grow because you become your own person. You're not relying on other people to kind of lead you to what they're doing. Because I see very few people that go to five o'clock happy hours running their own business. <laughs> it's usually the same guys who've been do like, I see some guys still when I go downtown, when I used to be in my 20s, and I go downtown very, every so often. And I still see the same guys running around downtown. And I'm like, this is coming up on like eight years of when I used to be a bartender and you guys are still running around here. Like, what the hell? But they're in the same place. They're working the same jobs. There's no growth. So growth comes from being uncomfortable and growth comes from finally saying no and just doing and taking action steps and doing the boring work. People don't look good because they sit there and eat a bunch of fancy foods all the time. Most of the time, people look really good from being really boring and monotonous and eating a lot of the same things over and over again. It's consistency. Yeah, that's a great way to end this episode because we've gone through a lot of stuff within this. Um, taking action, being aware of yourself, being consistent. And I think a lot of it boils down to setting yourself up with habits and being mindful of what your bumpers are. So Tyler, man, I appreciate you being on the show. I absolutely love what you're doing. Love the heart that you have and how authentic you are. Uh, share with us, where can people find you? Where can they find your group, et cetera? Yeah, man. Um, so you guys can find me on Instagram. Uh, it's new 10. That's N-E-W-1-0 underscore fitness. Uh, if you want to look me up on Facebook, it's Tyler Newton. I'm the guy with the beard working out in the gym. Uh, and then we, we have a Facebook group as well, uh, slash community. It's called Strong and Shredded. If you want to look us up, come join. Uh, we have lots of valuable guides. We do free trainings every week. So if you guys want to be a part of that with us and, and get some help this year, um, come, come join us. We'd love to have you. Awesome. Tyler, I appreciate being on the show. Thank you so much, man. Yeah, appreciate it, Nick. Another great conversation on today's episode of the Mindset and Self Mastery Show. You know, sometimes you just got to lock yourself in your truck for 30 days and, you know, get uncomfortable with being uncomfortable in your truck for 30 days. But it's not about the setting. It's about the setting of boundaries and systems in place to get the best out of yourself. And sometimes it looks like doing what could look like wacky things. But I think the big takeaway is to just keep moving and keep taking those hits and moving, taking the hits and moving and being uncomfortable. Get comfortable at the same time. You got this. But what did you think? I'd love to hear your thoughts on the conversation today. And if you enjoyed the episode, please jump over to iTunes, subscribe, rate, and leave a five-star review. It helps immensely and helps others as well. 
And if you really enjoyed the show, go ahead and share it with your friends. You can check out the show notes for more info, contact info for Tyler, and check out other episodes on the Mindset and Self Mastery Show.com, as well as on our YouTube channel, The Mindset and Self Mastery Show. And thank you again, Tyler, for being on the show, for being honest and raw and real with us, man. Appreciate it. And thanks to you for joining us today. And remember, your mindset matters, and so do you. 